right, so last week we started, uh, we talked about Jeremiah, you know, in Jeremiah, how it tells us, um, you know, that before building up and planting, it's like, you, we called you to, to, to destroy, to, to tear up, to tear down, to pull out, to uproot, to clean up the foundation. And we, and we, and we spent some time just, you know, saying what those things mean and how uh, we, we come to the Lord many times with a very shaky foundation, you know, full of a lot of pain, full of a lot of disappointment, full of a lot of bad experiences, uh, negative images, and just uh, toxic beliefs that we just acquired throughout our lives. And all of a sudden we start building upon that without ever dealing with these things. And Jeremiah, out of those six words, he uses four of them to say clean up and preparing is more important, you know, or comes first than build up and planting. And so we need to realize that a lot of the frustrations that we, um, that we encounter in our walk of faith when things don't happen and prayers aren't answered or, or things of that nature have to do with the fact that we haven't properly or, or done much of that tearing down and uprooting and, and, and destroying and demolishing, you know, the previous arguments, uh, toxic beliefs, unbeliefs, uh, worldly mentalities that we grew up with and that we still have there, you know, in our subconscious just still doing things, right? And so we have a lot of new conscious knowledge and revelation, but a lot of that is not yet a foundation, is not a, a building block, it's not a second nature, and so we're talking about that because we want, um, we said, how come it was so easy for Jesus? How come it was so easy for Jesus, right? Jesus just spoke the word and it happened. And Jesus said that we could do the same things that he did and more, right? And I believe that. And, and then Jesus resisted the devil three times and boom, he left. And I resisted the devil a hundred times and he keeps coming back. And we're like, why, why the difference if he was also human, right? And, and I said, it's part of that, what the Lord showed me is that it's because Jesus didn't have all the negative images, all the unhealthy, toxic beliefs. He didn't have all the pain from the past. He didn't have all, all that junk that we, you know, do have and that we have accumulated through our lives and it's still there and we haven't removed it yet. And so a lot of our life is like God removing those things so that our faith is standing on a solid foundation, and then, and then we also address the fact that, well, if I'm a new creation, how come that's still there? Because I'm a new creation in the spirit. So my spirit is perfect, and it's new, and it's born again, and it's out of an uncorruptible seed. And my identity now, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but my soul is the part of me that is my mind, will, emotions, um, uh, subconscious beliefs, uh, um, what we call strongholds, which are really strong mindsets, right, that don't align to the Word of God necessarily. And we said, like, all these things are the ones that need to be renewed. And that's why Romans 12 says, you know, uh, verse 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because in this way is how you can actually find out what the perfect uh, and good will of God is. And so, that's the same picture as God telling the Israelites, when you go into the land, you need to clean up the land. Otherwise, it's going to be a pain while you're in the promised land. So we're in the promised land, right? We came out of Egypt. We're walking into our promised land. But there's still a lot of issues. There's still a lot of recurring cycles and things. And we're like, why do I keep falling for the same stuff? Why does this keep happening? 
Why do I not seem to have breakthrough? And I want to suggest to you that it has more to do with the things that you have not uprooted, torn down, destroyed, and demolished that were there before you came to the Lord. And so we're in this journey, you know, in this series of finding out, okay, so that's why a lot of those things, you know, happen. That's why a lot of those things don't make sense to me. That's why a lot of those things aren't working in my life how they should be working in my life. And so today we're going to talk about the, the next part of that, which is the, um, which is the, the how, okay? How do we do this? And then next week we're going to talk about the what, you know, an actual tool that we can use, which is a, a biblical prayer, okay? So, so today we're going to talk about the, the how, and uh, there is three things that we all know and we all do, but I, I want to suggest that many times we don't use them in the way that would benefit us to clean up, to uproot, to tear down, and, and to do this daily work, right? When we go to Sozo, yes, major breakthrough happens. You go to a retreat, major breakthrough happens. You, you, know, you, you go to transform you, some major breakthrough happens, right? But how can we continue doing this day after day? Because Proverbs 4.23, as you hear me always say, it says, above all things, guard your heart, for from it flow all the issues of life. All your issues flow out of your heart. Marriage, relational parenting, financial health, happiness, joy, peace. Every issue, good or bad, in your life today is flowing out of your heart. And so if it flows from my heart, then what can I do, right, to be cultivating the land of my heart actively every day with the Lord so that it's, it's cleaned up, it's prepared, so that I'm not building, you know, guys, like I showed you my Jenga towers, right? Some of those were pretty flimsy because they were built on trash. You know, they were built on pain. Or there was no foundation. And so, so today we're going to talk about uh, three, three of those ways of how, um, how to do it, okay? So um, the first one is prayer. Very simple, right? Prayer. Prayer. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, verse seven. And we're going to go there real quick. Um, there's there's different prayers in the Bible, right? There's we pray however we know best. A great book I encourage you to read is by Andrew Womack called "A Better Way to Pray." My goodness, such a powerful good book. We might even have it in the bookstore. Better way to pray. Um, and I'm coming up with a new one, The Best Way to Pray. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. You know, Jesus teaches us a prayer here, you know. And, and it is also kind of um, not just teaching us how to pray, because this is just one way to pray. But he's also showing us, like, how not to pray. Okay, in verse 7 it says, when you pray, don't. Babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. You know, that's pretty amazing because uh, it's saying, and He was even referring a lot to a lot of the religious people and the Pharisees that were just, they would just repeat things and say things and, 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 
And on the outside, it sounds so profound. It sounds so religious. It sounds so spiritual, right? But Jesus is saying, like, like listen, it's not about repetition. It has more to do with, with your heart. Like, it could be really simple and really powerful, right? It doesn't have to be three hours. It could be six minutes. It could be ten minutes. And it could be incredibly powerful because what, what needs to be engaged is the, is the heart, okay? You know, I remember I grew up in, in a Baptist church, and, man, whenever they said, you know, we're going to do a, a prayer night. I was like, God, no, please, no. You know, because that's what it was. It was like, just like, you had to be on your knees. First of all, you had to be on your knees. So I would fall asleep on my knees. You know, and it was just like, what are we going to pray? And let me, m- mind you this thing. They don't pray in tongues. So what do you say all night? Let me tell you, once I learned how to pray in tongues, now things got really good. And they got really powerful because I could pray in tongues for hours and hours and hours. And, and it's powerful and it's amazing. The Holy Spirit is moving and it's like, ah, now there's an interaction. There's like, we're actually talking to someone who is responding. But, you know, the other way, like the, the way Jesus is saying, don't pray like this. It's just like a one way, just like, and it's like, you know, um, uh, Catholics have the, you know, the, the beads things, you know, the rosary, yeah? And, um, and they just, you know, I grew up with a lot of friends like that. And, and that was just like, they just say it. And they actually count how many times because it's how many times they say it that actually supposed to do something, you know? And so there's no heart in that. And so that's what Jesus is saying. Say, when you pray, say, don't just babble on like they do, and they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the words again and again. And then how many believers many times have fallen into this, you know, idea that I just need to say it more and say it more and say it more and say it more and just declare it, 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 just declare it. It's like, hold on, something's off here. Something sounds really similar to this, you know. And so we missed the, the real power behind declaration and confession, which is one of the other elements that we're going to talk about today. It's, it's, it's our declaration and our words. And so Jesus is saying, you know, when you pray, say, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, right? So there's worship. May your kingdom come soon, which talks about genuinely caring about what he cares, right? Um, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? It's giving us purpose in that prayer, which is the same purpose as the very beginning when it was to occupy not to vacate, but to occupy, to bring his kingdom into earth, right? To really care about what he cares, having an understanding. Then it says, give us today the food we need. So talk about our needs, right? Forgive us our sins. So uh, as we forgive those who sin against us, so that is addressing now our heart and our, and our daily you know, offenses and things like that, that we can continually cultivate our heart, right? You don't want to be walking in sin and you don't want to be... Um, Keeping offenses and, you know, and staying offended towards other people is like, no, 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 deal with your heart, clean your heart, you know, forgive those who sin against us. And it said, don't let us yield into temptation. So praying for protection and rescue us from the evil one, right? And so, so Jesus gives us a simple way to pray, but he says, here's the important thing. When you pray this very simple, short prayer, he said, you have to understand it. it has to be from your heart. It cannot be just vain repetitions. It cannot be just like, blah, 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 our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, let kingdom come, no, we'll be... Anybody, right? We'll turn anything into religion. 
It's amazing. Like, we'll turn anything, even the same Jesus gave us, you know, and we'll turn that into religion. That's crazy. That's one of the things that they pray in the rosaries, you know. And so, a lot, right? Yeah, a lot. And so, again, I'm not knocking anybody down. I'm just saying this is what Jesus addressed here, okay? This is what Jesus said. Um, And so prayer uh, has many times we've also taken it as just praying for certain things. Like we just pray for our needs. We pray for our wants. We pray for others. We pray for the world. We pray for government. We pray for all these good things. But how much of this prayer is directed to pray for our own heart? It's the last time you prayed for your own heart, right? Not, not many people do that. Many people, what do they use prayer for? Needs, wants, other people, external situations. So we pray for a lot of the outward stuff, a lot of the external things, like we're praying for those things. But how much do you pray and address your own heart? Ephesians 2, um, uh, if, I love uh, uh, many of Many of you know this is the Ephesians prayer. So Ephesians chapter 1. And um, let me see. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to go to verse. Eighteen, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. Oh, that's pretty amazing, right? I pray, so that's the prayer, that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. See, so so two things he's praying here. It's for our hearts to be flooded with light. Because what happened, you know, there's another scripture in the Bible. I don't have it right now, but it says that there's dark corners in our heart. Do you know me? Mm. Well, I'm going to go to that one too. But um, It says there's, there's dark corners in our heart. In other words, there's blind spots. We have blind spots, things that are kind of hidden in a corner and that we don't see. Sometimes other people see it, you know. But the one who definitely sees it is the Holy Spirit, right? And so... When we pray, you know, he's saying, I pray that your heart would be flooded with light. What happens when something's flooded with light? It's like everything's exposed, right? Everything's exposed. The things that you didn't see there, the things that you didn't notice, the things that were hiding in the dark, like they're exposed. So, so that's one of the prayers. And this is amazing because he's saying, I pray that your heart will be flooded with light. So how many times have you prayed, Lord, that my heart would be flooded with light? Because then it says it brings understanding, and then it says, also pray you understand, right? So when we pray for our heart, we're going to gain understanding in different things. In other words, uh, revelation, uh, things are going to come to light that we're hiding in dark places. You know, last week I read in Psalm 119, and we, and we talked about this, this scripture that tells us pretty much, uh, Lord, how can I know what I don't know when I don't even know where to look? That's my version. Remember that? How can I know what I don't know, you know, because what we do see is the fruit that I don't like. 
I see the cycle repeating. I see this fruit coming up. I see this addiction that is just like, oh, man, it's just hanging on there. And like I shake it off. I do really good for a few months or maybe even a year. And then again, it's like comes back up. Why does it come back up? Because it's still somewhere in the foundation of my subconscious. It's still somewhere in the foundation of my heart. It hasn't been completely uprooted, pulled out, cleaned up. And I need to pray for my heart. I need to address my heart. And that's what King David is saying. It's like, Lord. How can I know this? These are hidden sins, sins of ignorance. And I don't know where they're even at. I need to know. And so when we pray for the light to flood our hearts, right? What's going to happen? Like it's an actual prayer in Ephesians. And then it says, um, if we go to uh, chapter 3 and in verse 16, it says, I pray that from his glorious and limited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. How many times do we pray for inner strength in our spirit, right? How many times are we praying for us, for the inside part of us? Like, we will, like most people, when they pray for themselves, they'll pray for a job, they'll pray for finances, they'll pray for, for their body because they're sick. But how much do we spend praying for our heart and the inner things of our heart? Because see, prayer is like God knows everything that we need. But when we pray, we're coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit, right? That's what we're doing. We're coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit. We're coming into agreement with His Word. We're coming into agreement with His promises about something. You know, we're saying, let this be done. Let this happen. Holy Spirit, we're, we're praying for this thing, right? We are interceding, co-laboring together. How much of that do we do for our own heart? Oh, no, no, I'll just pray for others. I'll be okay. No, please pray for yourself. <laughs> right? We need to pray for our own heart. And um, when we pray, we're collaborating with the Holy Spirit. When we're praying for our own heart, we're collaborating with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, I want to be made complete. This is actually one of the, the, the things that I pray every day over myself and my family is it's Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. Because why? I want to be complete. I want to address the things of my heart that we may be complete. Yes, I want my kids to be prosperous. Yes, I want my kids to, to have good friends. Yes, I want my kids to, to yeah, never have lack in their life. Yes, I want them to be healthy. But I want them to be complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want them to be whole in their heart because if they're whole in their heart, it's going to determine how everything else in their life goes. Right? You can, you can have a lot of money and give your kid, you know, a lot of money and you can give them a house and you can set them up and that's amazing. But if their heart is not full and complete, they can lose it all. See, our heart will determine what we keep, what we attract, how much of it, you know, grows, you know, it, it determines everything. So a lot of times we teach just about those things, which is there's nothing wrong with that. But how much more do we need to be addressing the very thing that is going to keep it, increase it, repel it, or lose it all? It's our heart. And let, let me tell you, it, a lot of people don't like this because they have to look in. You have to look in. You can't keep just looking at others. You have to look at your heart. You have to be brutally honest with yourself 
before God, you know, and be like, okay, like, I need, yeah, I could see this. I need to work on this stuff. And it's not hard, but just very few people do it. Now, so I don't want you to get the impression that this is a really hard thing. My gosh, there's no hope. It's going to take years. No. With God, it's supernatural. It's actually really fast. But the problem is very few people actually take the, the dive into their heart with the Holy Spirit and start working on those things and start, you know, the tearing down, destroying. Nobody, I mean, nobody, uh, yes, everybody likes demolition. Everybody likes to break the stuff, right? It's really cool on the, you know, on, the, on those remodeling home shows and all that stuff. But nobody wants to go in and actually clean up the stuff and shovel it. That is the worst part, right? So I'm essentially <laughs> urging you to do that. <laughs> it's necessary. Why there's so much do- imagine, you know, trying to live in in the middle of all that all that chaos. You walk into this house, it got all demolition, you know, the mold and whatever. But all the stuff is still there. All the bricks, all the rocks, all the dust. You know, you're trying to eat there. You're like, this is really good food. Why does it taste so crunchy? <laughs> this is really good quality, you know, coffee, whatever. Why, why does it smell like dirt? <laughs> right? And it's because those, those very things, it's, it's like you're building really amazing things. You're, you're, you're trying to plant really good quality things in your life, but you just haven't done the work of cleaning up. And so that's why for some people, like, oh, my gosh, that changed my life. Oh, yeah, I tried it, and it was really good. It sounded really good, but it didn't work out for me. Oh, Yeah. Forgot to tell you, when you cook, you kind of have to clean, you know, all the dirt and the dust because otherwise I'll get in your food. You see the, the picture I'm trying to paint here? And, you know, it's kind of like the Jenga picture, same thing. You know, and again, I'm not saying stop building and stop planting. I'm saying at this point, it has to happen simultaneously. We have to be addressing the heart as much as we possibly can. So that every new thing that we're building on top is like, is going to produce good fruit. You with me? Okay, then uh, let's go to Proverbs. Uh, if you guys could put this one up on the screen, it's actually uh, in the Passion Translation, Proverbs chapter thirty, verse eight. Or I'll just read it. It says, uh, "This is one of the oh man, this is a powerful prayer." Me and my wife started praying this. I don't know a few years ago, seven years ago. You know, and and, and I love it because it says, "Empty out of my heart everything that is false." Every lie and every crooked thing. Empty out of my heart. In the Passion Translation, it says it that way. Everything that is false, every lie, and every crooked thing. Like, would you ever think, like, there's all those kinds of things just lurking in your heart? You know, maybe, maybe you're like, yeah, there's stuff like that. But did you know how much it affects your life? Everything that is false, in other words, if it's not truth... And I'm talking about the truth, the Word of God. If it doesn't line up with God's Word, with His perfect will, how do we know His perfect will? Is by being transformed by renewing of our mind. Like if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you know, it's not, it's not truth. Amen. Everything that is false, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 in the Passion Translation, everything that is false, every lie and every crooked thing. So we started praying that seven years ago and... 
It's been a journey. It's a brave prayer. Lord, empty out of my heart everything that is false, every lie and every crooked thing. You know, I, I actually, that's going to be your first homework this week. Start praying that. Say, Lord, empty out of my heart everything that is false, every lie and every crooked thing. Because that is you coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit. You got to remember something. God didn't force you to get saved. Right? He didn't force you to get saved. You chose when you got saved. I'm sorry if you think differently. But you are the one who chose when to get saved. Not God. If it had been up to God, he would have saved you long before you did that and that and that and that. Uh-huh. Nobody's laughing, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so it was, it was not up to God. It was up to you when you got saved. It was up to you uh, because why? He's a gentleman. He doesn't force people. He's not imposing himself on people, right? And so it was you who decided when you got saved, and it is you when you decide to start dealing with those things. And Holy Spirit's like right there is like, we're going to do this together. I'm here with you. Just remember like how the Israelites went in, and God's like, I'm going to do this with you. You're not alone. We're going to drive them out together. I just need you to take the initiative. And God is saying the same thing. I need you to take the initiative, and I'm going to do this with you. And that's why you're the one that needs to pray, Lord, would you empty out of my heart every lie, every crooked thing, every false thing? And you watch what starts happening. See? <clears throat> the screen is broke back there, so I don't know what time it is. <laughs> Psalms 119 says, uh, verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Uh, just like there's hidden things. And when we talk about hidden, I want to kind of refer to the, to the subconscious. There's hidden things in our subconscious that are working against us as a second nature almost, right? Like there's some bad habits that we have. And those bad habits are not intentional. You're not like, I'm going to eat this cupcake so that my health is worse. <laughs> Nobody does that, right? Like there's bad habits that we have and that we do that are working against us because there's things in our subconscious that, that we don't know that, that are just like producing these things, right? And just the same way that that happens as a second nature, watch this. We need to hide the Word of God in our hearts so that the Word of God happens as a second nature. That it happens as automatic. See? Second nature, second nature automatic uh, poverty mindset in the world is like things get tight, hoard. Don't give anything. Economy is bad, mm, tighten up that wallet. That's, that's like a uh, like a second nature to a lot of people, right? That's, that's what they do. When the Word of God is second nature to you and you've hidden it in your heart and that example happens, like economy is bad, you go, hmm, where can I sow? Where can I give? Because this is a time of wealth transfer and the Bible says that Isaac sowed in time of famine and he reaped a hundredfold that same year. So therefore, that's what's going to happen to me. Why would that be automatic in somebody? Because they have hidden the Word of God in their heart. It says that I might not sin against you. You know, we know sin means to, to miss the mark, right? To miss, to miss out. 
And so you can miss out on a lot of things if the Word of God is not hidden in your heart and it doesn't happen as a second nature. See, it's more powerful when, it's, when it comes from your heart than when it comes from your intellect. When it comes from your intellect, you go, oh, there's virus out there. Hide. Shut down the house. Don't let anybody in or out. When Psalm 91 is in your heart, hidden in your heart, you go, oh, all right. No matter what happens, they could fall to my left or to my right, but it won't come to me. And it's not an intellect thing, but it's a heart thing. Because the heart things are what determine your actions or your immediate responses. Are you with me? Yeah. See, when you start addressing the heart, you know, it, um, it could get a little messy sometimes. Um, we're going to go over the, the one, one more thing, okay? One more thing. So, so this is prayer, okay? So our prayer needs to be... We need to learn how to pray the word, and we need to learn how to pray for our heart. And that, that's one very simple one, okay? Um, next week, we're going to start unpacking a very a longer prayer. It's the biblical prayer I've been talking about. And, and going through, you know, all the scriptures, why, you know, these things, how, how these things are in the word, and how we can pray them to our benefit, okay? Because, you know, it's, it's easy to try to help other people. But what does it say? Uh, to first remove the plank from your own eye so that then you can really help people, right? I can help people with intellectual knowledge thing or I can help people from my own experience and from heart and from the things that I've gone through and done, right? Not, not that I'm not sharing truth if I say from my heart. If it's in the Bible, I'm, I'm sharing its truth. But what the Bible is telling me is like, hey, you should first deal with the plank in your own eye. So deal with your heart first because then everything that you do, is just, it's just going to be so much more powerful. You're not going to feel like a hypocrite that you're saying something that you don't even believe yourself. But you're actually... Oh, God. Did I? Oh. <clears throat> okay. Meditating. Okay. Meditating is how we plant. Okay. And this is the, the other word that is used in Jeremiah. Are you guys Okay. Okay, so I thought I heard someone say no. Oh. Or ouch. Was it ouch? I don't know. I'm sorry. So Joshua 1.8 says, study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night. Say with me, day and night. Okay. And then it says, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Again, a lot of people have put this book on without ever cleaning up. And remember, this is the four, this is the fifth word in Jeremiah, which is, you know, to, uh, to plant. And so we want to plant, and we want to continually be planting the Word of God in our heart. And, and how do we do this? We do this by meditating. Meditating in the Word of God. See, meditating in the world is emptying yourself out. Don't do that. Okay? The Eastern meditation and all that stuff, that, that's, that's not good stuff. Okay? But meditating in the Bible is filling yourself up with the Word of God. It's filling yourself up, not emptying yourself out. Okay, Big difference. So how many times have you um, been thinking over an issue so long, so long that you're having dreams about it? Right? And so that's a form of meditation. 
that like you're, when you're chewing on something so long and you're thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, you're, what you're doing is you're planting it in your heart through meditation. You're building something really strong around those thoughts and it's going deep in your heart. So just like we can do that in a bad way and after years have you know, arguments of resentment towards someone because you've been meditating on what they did and on the offense, right? That's in your heart now. You got to uproot that. You got to heal that, right? Well, the same way we want to meditate in the Word of God and put the Word of God in our heart, and we do that by meditating in the Word of God, by, by dwelling in the Word of God, by uh, constantly thinking about the Word of God, but also by visualizing yourself in that promise or in that scripture or in that verse. I love how Nick, uh, Nick says it. He says, you know, I, I practice remembering my future. That means that you are thinking as if you were in your future remembering something that hasn't happened, but you're in it, and it's good. <laughs> Sorry if that was confusing. But, um, so study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be sure to obey everything in it. Let me tell you, it's a lot easier to follow the Word of God and to obey Him when you've been meditating on it day and night, when it's inside of you. When it's external, and that makes no sense, it's really hard. But when you've been meditating on it and it's part of you, it's in your heart, it's, it, again, it becomes like second nature. You're like, well, of course I'm going to do that because I want to obey God. But it's not hard because you've been meditating on it. You've been putting it in your heart. And then it says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Do you prosper and succeed in all you do? Let me tell you, there's some things that I still fail at. Thank you. There's still some things that I fail at. Why? Because there's still some things that I'm working at in my heart, that I'm putting in. I mean, Paul himself said, I haven't attained it yet, but I'm going. I'm proceeding. I'm, I'm pursuing, you know, the goal, the thing that I was called for. There's no hopelessness. I'm full of hope. Because I'm getting better every day. Are you getting better every day? Not externally, but internally. Yeah? And it says in Psalms uh, chapter 1, verse 1 and 3, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law, or the word of the Lord, meditating on it, guess what? Day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither. And oh, guess what? They prosper in all they do. They prosper in everything that they do. Oh my gosh. It's like we found, we found the secret sauce. Meditate in the word of the Lord day and night. Why do we do this? Because we need to do this as vain repetitions, as empty babbling? No. Because we're planting. We're planting it so that it becomes what? A second nature. Just like, like driving, right? You know how you know it's not a second nature yet? When you hit the brake and you hit your head on the steering wheel. <laughs> That's how you know that was not natural at all. It's not part of you. You haven't done it well yet, you know. That's how you know. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all 
who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You know, the word peace, the word shalom, means to bring into order everything or anything that is in disorder. And so this happens when our thoughts are fixed on Him. What does that sound like? That sounds like meditation. Like I'm dwelling on Him. My thoughts are fixed on Him. Philippians 4.8 says, Concentrate on these things. Everything that is pure, lovely, honorable, worthy of praise, excellent, if anything good in it, think on these things. And then verse 9 says, And the God of peace will be with you. See, the product of planting God's word in our heart and it becoming a second nature, the, the, the product of dwelling on him day and night and thinking on these thoughts and concentrating it and doing it often is that we're planting it into our heart, not into our mind. It goes through our mind. It has to go through our mind. It's our, it's our input mechanism, but it's going into our heart so that it becomes a second nature so that I can do really what it says in Psalm 119, 11, it says where I have hidden your word in my heart. Now it's a second nature. It's, auto, it's what happens automatic inside of me. I'm planting it inside. Amen? 